0: Ladies and gentlemen, good day, and welcome to the FNA talk, a technology update with FNAers and friends. My name is Adam Chabai. I'm the subtech lead at FNA, and it will be my pleasure to guide you through this episode. At FNA talks, we are drawing on the expertise and experience of key fintech, regtech, and subtech authorities to discuss the trends and developments defining the technology and the innovation landscapes. In today's episode, we will focus on what is most certainly one of the most prominent fintech teams of 2021, and we are going to talk about the impacts and implications of digital currencies and crypto assets. I'm very pleased to say that we are joined by a seasoned practitioner who is extremely well-equipped to guide us through this dynamic landscape. Moad Fahmy, Senior FinTech Advisor at the Bermuda Monetary Authority, which is one of the few jurisdictions with a regulatory framework designed specifically for the digital asset business. Moad, welcome and thank you for joining us at the FNA Talk.
1: Thank you, Adam, and uh, thank you for inviting me.
0: It's our pleasure, Moad. Moat, uh, I would like to start uh, our discussion with the big picture. When reading the news, we come across a variety of terms, including stable coins, uh, crypto assets, uh, as well as central bank digital currencies. What are your thoughts on how digital money is changing the landscape of financial services, including payments and settlements?
1: Right, uh, that that's a very good question, thanks. Um, so it it's it's changing in in many ways, right? The digital asset landscape is rapidly evolving. Um, and at, at its core, there's there's this technology, right? Um, blockchain or distributed ledger technology. Um, it, it, and it's 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 changing across um, financial services. When we think about a few things that you've mentioned, um, money itself, um, you know with the use of digital assets as money. Uh, but it's also changing things that sometimes are not obvious to, you know, consumers of financial services, meaning the payment systems that operate on the back end, um, like, um, you know, the real-time growth settlement systems that um, um, are operated by central banks in several jurisdictions, um, but also in terms of security settlements. Um, but at its core, really, what's really changing is, is the technology in the back end. And, and that technology has got a lot of potential. Uh, it can increase the speed of settlement, uh, whatever the underlying asset is, whether it's money or, or securities or another type of asset. Um, it's got a potential for lower cost. And that lower cost comes with the amazing potential of increasing uh, financial inclusion, right? Because um, um, a lot of people in the world don't have access to uh, financial services. And we think often about, financial inclusion as having access to bank accounts or, you know, credit cards, things like that. But, you know, along the spectrum of financial services, financial inclusion is also about having access to the financial product that will help you achieve your financial goal. And that is much broader than in the basic products, right? So if the entire value chain is restructured and, and, and changes, then it's got the potential to unlock a lot of value at the more sophisticated end of the spectrum as well. Um, and so other kind of impact that, that we're seeing is you know increased transparency. for example, in payments, you know if we think about the way the current corresponding correspondent banking system operates, you know the payment route is really opaque. Um, but, you know, in a blockchain environment, you know, there, there's uh, transparency all the way, even for, you know, the end user, potentially. So that's kind of very reassuring. Um, there's there's the potential for interoperability, um, you know, to, to kind of bridge the gap between uh, payment systems. Sometimes, you know, it, it can be a little bit fragmented at the moment. Um and, and and there's always on. So these systems can be operated 24-7, uh, which kind of reduces the overall risk. Uh, but it also fits better with the digital world in which, you know, we're all accustomed to to living where things are accessible all the time. Um, so that's another benefit. But I think the, the the main benefit that it's got the potential to uh, unlock some of the uh, value at the end of the spectrum in terms of financial services complexity is the fact that you know this these assets uh, or digital money can be programmable and that is fundamental people need to realize how transformational that is because then you have uh, the potential to have a a core layer of of payment on top of which people can build financial services and people can build anything they dream of really. So, you know, when we think about, and there's been a lot of consideration in the world uh, around um, um, kind of the open banking, well, the the digital money has got the potential to create um, you know this this um, great open banking model, um, uh, on top of which people will be able to to build financial services. So I we definitely see a lot of potential there. Uh, but we need to think about the core infrastructure first before that happens. Um, the potential is 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 really exciting, and we've developed our regulatory regime to um, you know try to. Uh, unlock this potential and then you know optimize those benefits to uh, consumers. But you know we also realize that before these benefits materialize, there's a lot of risks along the way, and um, you know we 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 design our regulatory framework to um, um, to create a balance between the potential. Uh, and the risks of these of these of these new technologies, and this is when you know we started thinking, along with you know our, our regulatory peers, uh, 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 you know everywhere in the world, uh, about you know sandbox. But also we design a specific digital asset business framework that is designed for this sector. Uh, and that's that is that is pretty unique. There there isn't many uh, legislation out there that's specifically designed to um, to um, uh, to try to achieve that balance between the the great potential, but also um, the the very real risk that exists.
0: Thank you, Moat, for these uh, very interesting insights. Uh, as mentioned in the introduction, uh, Bermuda is one of the few jurisdictions uh, with a robust regulatory framework that was specifically designed uh, to tackle the risks of the digital asset business. Could you please share with us what are the particularities of the digital asset sector and regulation in Bermuda?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think that, that, you know, when we started this journey, um, the BMA really looked at, you know, the international guidance that was available. And that is looking at you know, documents that have been published by the Financial Action Task Force or the International Organization of Securities Commission uh, commissions um, and, and, you know, we, we, we took everything that was out there, uh, but also looked at, you know, what was within the jurisdiction and, and the history of Bermuda in, in try to fostering an environment where innovation is is, is welcome. So, you um, you know, our, our regulatory environment is, is unique in that it seeks to regulate the end-to-end ecosystem of digital assets, um, you know, meaning that, you know, all actors along the digital asset value chain would fall under one piece of legislation. And, and that is made possible because the Bermuda Monetary Authority is an integrated regulator. Um, so an integrated regulator means we um, we cover banks, we cover investments, we cover money service businesses, uh, um, and and we we cover those institutions for uh, a very broad remit of you know um, um, uh, preventing financial crime, uh, ensuring you know customers are protected, and and ensuring uh, stability in the system. So by having this integrated mandate and this integrated uh, uh, view of all of the players, we were able to. To design the uh, the digital asset business act in in 2018, and really it was a a collective effort. Um, so, you know, Bermuda is is known for its insurance uh, uh, legislation. It's it, it's uh, it's known internationally as an, a very large insurance hub, and we took the you know the Uh, the lessons from developing that framework uh, in developing the the new digital asset framework. And at at the core of this framework is, you know, um, um, uh, the proportionality principle. So we really have developed this um, to consider the the spectrum of institutions, but also uh, developed it to cover, you know, all uh, all, all players of the digital asset space. so not only exchanges, payment service providers, but we you know we cover um, digital asset benchmark administrators, digital asset derivatives, exchanges, uh, digital asset trust services provider, custodians, wallet providers. because when we consider you know the the value chain of money, for example, we need to realize that in the value chain of money, most if not all of these um, uh, participants are regulated somewhere so you know when we consider um, you know novelties like stable coins a lot of people pay attention to the stable coin issuer but we are really interested in understanding you know the stable coin ecosystem and how we would regulate it Um, so um, you know, there's, there's the main piece of legislation is the Digital Asset Business Act, along with its rules. So there's prudential rules, uh, rules around cybersecurity, uh, capital rules, um, returns, uh, data that these entities need to provide. Um, so it's really a comprehensive framework. And um, just this year in 2020, or actually last year, um, we added the Digital Asset Issuance Act. Um, to uh, the legislation that is uh, under the remit of the BMA. And under the Digital Asset Issuance Act, we aim to um, you know, supervise the issuers of digital assets that do it for the purpose of raising capital. So under the Digital Asset Business Act, we looked at companies that operate a business, while under the Digital Asset Issuance Act, we looked at companies that look uh, to raise capital by issuing digital assets. So really, we have this... Um, this 360 view of what's happening in the digital asset ecosystem in the jurisdiction, and that 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 provides us with the the insight needed to make sure that the framework is is fit for purpose.
0: Many thanks for uh, for I think this very comprehensive uh, uh, response that will be of interest to many of our uh, listeners who, after all, are uh, central bankers, regulators, and supervisors from. Uh, various jurisdictions and I'm sure that uh, now they will be wondering how uh, based on your experience do financial authorities need to change to be able to successfully respond uh, to the challenges of the digital asset business
1: yeah that's um, that's very important right so the the system is changing the, the you know the players in the financial um, services industry are are changing evolving, um, transforming in, in the digital form. Um, and with that, you know, regulators need to change as well. Um, so you know in Bermuda we've been lucky to have you know rich history of financial services innovation. And we found that a lot of the the values that were at our core in developing previous frameworks were really useful. Um, but I think we can we can say that there's probably Three core values that are central to our approach to innovation. Um, the first one, and you know, I've, I've mentioned this a little bit, is you know the integrated approach. Um, there's definitely convergence in the financial sector, um, and it you know I, we find tremendous expertise um, you know across sectors uh, to consider novel financial products that may, under a certain lens, look like investments or when looked in a different angle, can look like a payment product or even a bank. So, you know, having the integrated approach really helps us, um, you know, consolidate the expertise internally and, you know, really uh, consider the risks, uh, um, you know, with this 360 degree view that that is needed. Um, and, and that's very important in the context of how, you know, in the digital space, companies are often looking to build platforms rather than products. Um so because then you can kind of you know regulate the platform, but also bring in the expertise depending on the type of product that is delivered on that platform. Uh, and and you kind of need to have uh, all that in-house to to be effective. Um, the second value, I would say is is you know being very connected, I think. You know um, the you know the fact that the industry is becoming more and more digital means that you know uh, it's got global reach um, and you know activities that you know are happening in you know foreign jurisdictions are likely to um, um, to migrate to our jurisdiction very rapidly and, and vice versa. So you know we need to to, um, to be very connected. With, with the rest of the world and our fellow regulators uh, and central bankers. So uh, this is true at the international scale, uh, but also you know, within our own market. We, we need to be very connected to um, you know, understand who's doing what in our jurisdiction. Uh, entities um, that may appear small uh, have the potential to grow exponentially. So we need to pay attention to things that um, may not seem to matter much. Um, but that have the potential to to really disrupt uh, um, sectors and and really change uh, the landscape. So um, we really need this connection at both the international and the local level. Um, uh, Finally, I think the the, the last value is really about having the flexibility. So we need to be quick on our feet. Um, So if we think about digital assets, for example, you know, Bitcoin was definitely a disruption. Um, then, you know, CBDCs, um, stablecoins, and now DeFi—these are all things that, you know, within four years, I've attracted a lot of attention. Um, and you know, we need to be very quick to see where the risks may materialize, um, but we also need to be uh, flexible in how we address these risks. Um, so i think these these are these are the, the three main values um but you know in in really in the uh, actual supervision um i think we need to transform as well um so you know we often talk about rec tech and and sup tech so regulatory technologies and supervisory technologies well we see that in the future you know we will have a convergence between these two um we in essence, are you know looking at the same data but with a different lens and a different missions. So we need to understand how you know the the technologies that firms are using um, to uh, operate their compliance function. Um, how we can eventually connect that with our supervisory technologies um, to avoid duplication. Um, and this this has got a lot of opportunity for real time and predictive supervision. So I think uh, I, I think we need to spend a lot of time talking to reg tech companies uh, and soup tech companies and and try to understand how we can ensure that these develop at the same pace because this is where we see a lot of a lot of potential. Um, so. Um, um, yeah, I, I would say this is this is this is mainly you know how we need to we need to change. A lot of it is is about value, but there's also this this kind of supervision layer that you know is is, is very important and it's transformative. As 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 you would know, um, you know being frontline in the rec tech space. Thank you, Moat, and I completely agree. Uh, let us now spend a bit of time
0: focusing on one of the I think uh, unavoidable policy implications associated with digital money that will need to be addressed in the foreseeable future. Uh, this is, of course, the cross-border dimension. What do you think, Moad, are the key prerequisites for a successful regulation of both digital currencies and digital assets on the cross-jurisdictional level?
1: Yeah, this is, um, this, this is, this is so important. Um, you know, it, it, it's been central to how Bermuda has developed Um, Bermuda is a a small island, it's uh, 640 miles from the closest point of land uh, being, uh, um, you know, North Carolina. Um, So we're 640 miles west of North Carolina. Um, You know, 60,000 people um, with a very large financial services sector, um, you know, being so small, Bermuda needs an international footprint to continue to thrive. Um, and and you know we need to build bridges to do that. And and I, you know, from a customer perspective as well, there's definitely value in you know having these um, um, uh, financial services sector that is not fragmented. Um, but you know the, the BMA in, in is seeking to build bridges in 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 multiple ways. Um, you know internationally um you know we work with uh um the global financial innovation network for example we participate in regulatory forum Um, we're really you know looking to build this um, knowledge of um, um, uh, this knowledge base among our peers right and kind of learn from the experience of, of others so when we think about for example a sandbox experience Um, You know, uh, the sandbox experience is to see how risks materialize within firms um, that have an untested or unproven product, Um, but it's also to, um, you know, gain knowledge uh, uh, on the regulatory side, and, and, you know, if there's an experiment that goes on in, in Singapore or the UK, um that delivers uh, interesting conclusions then i think it's important that you know we take that into consideration before uh, considering our own projects or our own sandbox um, so that i think that that's very important and, and kind of sharing of 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 information and knowledge uh, i think you know just if we go back to the um the notion of 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 payments and, and settlements for example the projects that have uh, been realized in in Singapore with Project Ubin and the reports that they have released is is very useful information um, not only for for central bankers but for the industry on how you know these systems uh, can behave and what are some of the challenges and what are some of the opportunities. So I think you know this 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 bridge of international uh, uh, is, is very important. Um, But there's other ways as well that we build bridges, right? So, um, you know, we have, uh, we want to build bridges across financial uh, services sector. So, you know, being an integrated regulator gives us the opportunity to have an integrated sandbox, meaning that, you know, we can um, receive companies that look like uh, investments or insurance or digital assets, or or payments, you know, just uh, having a sandbox that spans across the um, uh, the financial space, and that's very important because these companies don't define themselves necessarily as one vertical. So they may appear like they're crossing over, but they may also pivot uh, uh, while while they are testing their products. So it's very possible that you know, while they are in a sandbox, they may start as an insurance uh, uh, company, but it may transform into an investment company. How do you deal with that, right? So I think that this is another bridge across financial services sector that that, that we're trying to to create. And, and the final one is really across the industry. So we want to um, be a regulator that uh, helps, you know, uh, the connection between the startups um, you know the incumbents uh, and the big techs um, academia rec tech providers so you know it's really by building these different bridges that we will create an ecosystem that you know will achieve the potential uh, uh, for the, the the end customers so yeah I think this is this is really how we're seeing this um, um, this this ability to you um, um, to create something that that's bigger than than simply just you know Bermuda on its own, we um, we we really want to connect with the rest of the world, but also across the uh, the stakeholders.
0: Uh, we already touched upon this, Moat, uh, but I think it is still uh, worth emphasizing that the digital currencies and digital assets are being issued by a variety of entities, uh, many of which we would certainly not describe as traditional financial services providers. What do you think will be the key implications of the digital money being issued by a variety of entities, uh, potentially including even the big techs and the likes of uh, Facebook or Google?
1: Yeah, this is a question that's been on 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 everyone's mind, I think. Um, and as this market develops, um, I think it 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 becomes even more central. Um, so the the way we address this you know from a regulatory standpoint is really by having this concept of proportionality um so you know we have these um, you know uh, key pillars of our regulatory regime but you know we need to apply them in a pragmatic manner uh, rather than a one size fits all um, so this is, ensures the proper market contestability uh, but also focuses on the actual risks right rather than um um you know the the general risk that we perceive in the industry we really want to uh, uh be laser focused on the risks of a particular entity um so thinking about the the spectrum of players um you know if we if we consider big tech um there's Definitely a dimension that will not apply uh, for for smaller, you know, uh, let's say, stablecoin issuers, uh, and and that dimension is is financial stability. What are the implications? And and in that respect, it, it you know we need to discuss with um, our international peers as well because the uh, the implications are 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 broader than uh, only local. Um, but also in terms of big tech, there's there's the um, very important issue of of data governance and privacy. Um, I think you know there is a, a broader um, um, societal discussion to be had around that. And I think more and more we're seeing this with the, the political events. Um, the importance of, of social media uh, is 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 is, uh, is very high, and you know we need to consider what you know layering. Uh, payments on top of these platforms would mean for for customers uh, uh, specifically, but also for um, you know financial stability. Um, but there's you know when we consider this spectrum, I think this would be at at one end of the spectrum uh, of a large uh, centralized. Um, um, you know, uh, issuers of, of digital assets, but there's a, you know at the other end of the spectrum, there's small decentralized um, issuers, uh, and and you know we consider this space maybe as DeFi, and DeFi is bringing you know a very different set of of issues, um, and and we need to consider the specific risks around DeFi. For example, you know governance is it really decentralized? Um, you know, in terms of regulatory uh, uh, regime, you know, how can we regulate something if no one really has uh, entire control over it? Um, whereas, you know, in several instances, there is someone or a, an entity that has control over it. And uh, what is the relationship and what's the, uh, what's the regulatory hook? Um, but there's also broader considerations in the DeFi space uh, around cybersecurity how safe these things are? Uh, is there a, a sort of backdoor function that some people may use? Um, and um, there's also the potential for outright fraud um, because this is, uh, um, you know, unfortunately uh, a space that's growing quickly. And whenever a space is growing quickly, it's uh, attracting the attention of, of criminals. Um, and then there's also, you know, I, I guess maybe in the middle of that spectrum. Um, the the stablecoin issuers that have already gained some traction—they're not uh, decentralized, they're not small either. They have a a billion or a few billion of stablecoin issued, and I think you know the the risks are becoming more and more um, known for these. I think um, you know if we consider them uh, as 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 payment service provider or you know, maybe in Europe would be considered as electronic money issuers. There's a lot of, of, of work that's been, uh, uh, that can be leveraged uh, to consider the specific risk of, of stable coin issuers. You know, what's the right amount of capital? What are some of the backstop mechanism? Uh, how is liquidity being provided in the system? Is there some form of market making arrangement? And how, what's the connection between the issuer and the market maker and, and the end user? Um, and what are some of the AML or anti-money laundering, anti-terrorist financing, uh, uh, you know, uh, mechanisms or processes that are embedded into the um, the system? I think these these are these are crucial questions. I still think you know, there's um, uh, this is a novel space, so we need to um, um, have flexibility, but also being really aware of what's going on. Um, but you know i think I think really having this this flexible approach, proportional approach, um, observing these things in in a sandbox environment really gives us the opportunity to um, ensure that you know, coming back to the initial question, um, that we can you know ma- materialize those benefits of you know financial inclusion, cheaper, uh, kind of open layer for. Um, you know, financial services is you really want to achieve these things, but also in a in a very controlled environment. Then this is the balance that you know on a day to day basis uh, our team are are looking to achieve. So uh, I hope this is um, this is this is useful.
0: Absolutely, uh, many thanks, Moat, for this as well as for uh, the other responses. Even though we could carry on and continue this conversation. Uh, This is unfortunately all we have time for today. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, You have provided us with some great insights into an extremely important uh, fintech theme and equipped our listeners with a series of very useful practical takeaways. So thank you very much again, Moad, for joining us at the FNA Talk.
1: Well, thank you, Adam. This is uh, a pleasure uh, uh, to be here and uh, yeah, lovely to hear about what you guys are doing as well.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, many thanks to you for your attention. Uh, if you happen to have any questions or comments for Moad or I, please let us know on social media or write to us on adam.fna.fi. I very much look forward to reconnecting soon for another FNA talk. And in the meantime, have a good day, stay safe and goodbye.